Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark. This is E3, and whoa, I almost fell off the stage. So between Evan and I, it's obviously going to be uh, an entertaining uh, day. So, uh, hey, uh, if you're visiting us, uh, first time visiting us was last week on Easter, and you came back, welcome. Uh, and, and even if you've been here a while, welcome as well. You're also welcome, but uh, it's, it's always uh, one characteristic about our, our church is that we uh, are always thinking about people who uh, we haven't met yet and uh, wanting to make them feel comfortable. So if this is your second week, we're really glad that you decided to check out our community uh, even further. Hopefully you'll get connected. Um, this week we're starting a new series called Living a Legacy. This idea really started resonating with me right around our 10-year anniversary uh, that happened last month. And the uh, the church and the artist, uh, lo- uh, local artist, artist that goes to our church, put together uh, something for me. And uh, it was really, really cool, and I was really, I really liked it on the front. Um, it's kind of cool. It's just, you know, from my home, uh, Los Angeles, uh, to that's where we are now, our new home, Tallahassee. And uh, just talking about days became months, and months became a decade. But the thing that really caught my attention and really got my mind moving was what she put on the back. And and she wrote, thank you for helping build a legacy. And then people wrote nice messages on the back there and everything. And, and actually, those messages mean a lot. So if you haven't written one and you'd like to write a message, come up after the gathering and write, write a nice message, because I like, like nice messages. If you're going to write something nasty, then just leave. Uh, so I started thinking about this word legacy, and I got to be honest with you, when I was a teenager, I never thought about legacy. When I was in my 20s, I really didn't think about legacy. In my 30s, I may have thought a little bit about a legacy. Uh, definitely in my 40s uh, that I am now, uh, uh, it's something that that is part of what I think of and, and want to leave a, a positive legacy on this, on this planet, <laughs> on earth. And I'm sure as I, I get older, legacy is going to increasingly become more important to me. Essentially, uh, a legacy is something uh, that we create during our lives for future generations. Uh, a legacy uh, is is really like a farmer who who plants uh, a fruit tree or something, knowing full well well that that they'll they'll never be able to taste its fruit, but he knows that those who come behind him or her uh, will be able to enjoy the fruits of that tree for many years to come. Our faith is is rooted in in legacy, that we all experience the benefits and, the, and are blessed by legacy, that, that our legacy really began when a guy named Abram in a land of Ur uh, answered God's call, and God changed his name to Abraham, and through, from Abraham's faithfulness and believing uh, in God's promise of being a father of many nations came Isaac and then Jacob. Then we just went through a whole series about Moses and Exodus going from uh, 
being slaves in Egypt to the promised land. And then at the end of that series, we saw that, that Moses had been uh, uh, building in and breathing life into uh, a young man named Joshua. And he laid hands on Joshua, and Joshua uh, continued that, that faith legacy. And then we saw, uh, from there, we saw uh, Ruth and, and then King David and, you know, and Goliath and just standing up for what is uh, right and uh, Esther and Daniel and even uh, Jonah. And then in the New Testament, you know, we have Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and uh, Peter and Paul and Mary, right? Uh, I didn't, when I, when I thought of that, I didn't think anybody would get it. I, I am like, come up with like so many clever things and you guys miss it all the time. And like that one, that's low-hanging fruit. But okay, that's, that's cool. So, and this really, this idea of legacy and, and promises, it's, it's, you know, building the foundation for future uh, people to come, future generations to come. The writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13 that, all these people, all these patriarchs and matriarchs of faith, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. And we are all blessed from that legacy today. And our legacy really is a gift. It's an inheritance that we leave for future generations. In uh, Galatians, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Legacy is important for everyone. It was important to John F. Kennedy, when, when he challenged America to walk on the moon. But he never lived to see that happen. Legacy was important to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., where he lived in an oppressive country that discredited people because of the color of their skin. And through his life in the civil rights movement, he worked to, to make a realization that he had this dream, right? That men and women would be judged by the content of their character and not of their skin. And he never got to see that legacy fulfilled. But we are blessed as a nation because of his legacy and the, and the civil rights movement. And yes, there's still work to be done, but, but that is his legacy. The legacy we leave is part of the ongoing foundations of life. There's a business philosopher, uh, his name is Jim Rohn. And he writes this, those who came before us leave those who came before us leave uh, us the world we live in. Those who come after us will only have what we leave them. 
We are stewards of this world. And we have been called in our lives to leave it better than how we found it, even if it seems like such a small part. And the reality comes down to this. I believe that those who are not of faith and and not of, of the Christian faith, that they really have a choice if they want to leave a legacy or not if they really want to participate in building in the story, if they, they want to build upon the generations that came before us and part of the legacy of our faith for generations to come. That invitation is there, but, but they don't have a responsibility to carry on that legacy. Those of us who are followers of Christ do not have that option. That our lives have been called to something greater, that we are part of a line of men and women who changed the world, who are the legacy of our faith, that have left us a world that it is time for us Because we can't do anything about what happened before us, and we can't do anything that's going to happen after us. All we have in our control and in our power is what we do with our lives now. And that's the legacy. And that's not getting to the end and ask, what legacy will I leave? But asking the question, what legacy will I live? Ray Bradbury wrote this. The difference between the man who just cuts lawns and a real gardener is the touching. The lawn cutter might just as well not have been there at all. The gardener will be there for a lifetime. I got to tell you, here in Tallahassee, a guy comes and cuts my lawn, and it rains, and it looks like my lawn has not been cut. That doesn't mean that what he does is not important. But time has a way of erasing temporal things. But a gardener gets their hands dirty. They get into the the mud and the dirt. And I don't know if you've ever gardened. I've done a a little bit. You get in there and the dirt gets under your nails and you start pulling stuff out. And then you discover that things live in the dirt. Right? And it's messy and it's not as easy and you hit rocks and hard places and there's all sorts of stuff that you un- uncover. And then you, you, you know, move and you, you work that, that, that earth in order for what? To be able to put something precious in that ground in order to grow, in order to produce something of value and of beauty. Something that will reproduce, something that will hopefully bless those who come after you. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, kind of on legacy, he writes this, Clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is not to have a law to break. Verse 16, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the laws of Moses. But if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. In other words, Abraham's belief and him acting on that belief makes us his children. That is what Scripture means when God told him, I have made you a father of many nations. And then I love this last sentence. This happened because Abraham believed in a God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. All of this, all of us here in 2014 in this local church, at this moment, in this time, is a spiritual legacy left by Abraham. That that his legacy can be traced back by him answering the call when he was named Abram in a land of Ur and said, yes, Lord, what would you like me to do? You know, I've thought about the past 10 years quite a bit, you know, and asking questions like, have we built something that will stand the test of time? Have we done things that matter? What is our church legacy as the body of Christ, as people who, uh, and individuals who make up the body of Christ? I've thought about those who have left a legacy in uh, for us. When I first came here um, over ten years ago, I I wrote letters to my friends and family and asked them to financially support this church, which wasn't a church at that point. There's no E3, but to to support what was going to happen and. I had many friends, but I wanted to tell you a story of uh, one. There are two people, uh, they were singles when I met them. It was Brian and Angela. Classic boy meets girl story. They uh, served together in the ministry that I, I was leading. They actually uh, got married. In fact, I, they were the, the first wedding that I performed. In fact, uh, they were so nervous about it because they thought I was going to mess it up. And it, it turns out they were right. That uh, I don't do very good with like the you have to say this at this time kind of thing. Like it works on Sundays because you have no idea where I'm going. 
But like when you're at a wedding, everybody knows, you know, where you're meant to be going and what you're meant to be doing. So it becomes very apparent that I'm just making it up as I go along. So we get, they come up and, you know, the standard stuff and, and uh, the bride comes down. And, and what happens when the bride comes down? Everybody stands up. Okay. So that happens, and, you know, it's outside, it's a beautiful day, it's a little bit hot and everything. So they come down, and we, you know, we exchange the, the, you know, the bride and, the, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I, I, you know, I'm nervous, and I want to jump right into it and get it done. And uh, I totally forgot to have everybody sit down. So I'm going on and on and on, and then it, at, at one point, and dear friends of mine, Brian's asked me to stop for a second. He turned around and said, you can all sit down. <laughs> so that's not the worst mistake I've ever made in a wedding. That's just the one I'll share at this time. <laughs> so Brian and Angela, dear friends, we, we spent a lot of time together, I, uh, a lot of opportunity. But uh, young, young couple, ten, 10 years ago, not so young anymore. They're still young. They're in their 30s. But um, what? <laughs> uh, but when I came here, they were saving for a house. They had a dream of buying a house. I remember they invited Shannon and I over for dinner. And, and they said, you know, Angela and I have been praying about what God has called you to do. And we believe that God has called us to uh, all the money that we have been saving for the house uh, monthly for the next year. We're, we're going to invest it in the new church that, that God's calling you to. And these are people who you don't know them, and they don't know you. But there are people in their 20s who understood legacy, and they faithfully, for the, for the next year, gave towards something that had, did not exist at, at that time in order for us to be here today. And the reality is that every single person who has been baptized at this church, every person that has come to faith, every person who has been spiritually healed, every person who has gone and built homes in Guatemala or done medical clinics in Haiti, or every child that has been freed from child trafficking in Africa, that that sacrifice that they made 10 years ago is part of their legacy. It's part of what we experience, that we are all blessed by that. When I first came here, I met Dr. James Gortney, Jim, and Amy Gortney. And I remember in the early days, we, you know, we were talking, I used to talk about E3 and just say, you know, you know, we want E3 to be a place where uh, people can come who they, they don't feel like they could go anywhere else. See, reality or not, that, that we really have an open-door policy that you don't need to know the Bible, you don't even need to believe in the Bible in order to come here and investigate the claims of Christ. That we want to be a church that, that people are welcome no matter where they are in their life. And I would explain that, hey, you know what, that means, uh, uh, you know, people are, are going to come in and, you know, you know there's going to be people with tattoos. You got to remember, this is the, the South 10 years ago. It's, Tallahassee's changed quite a bit 
you know, that, uh, you know, tattoos and people are smoking and, you know, there's going to be rock and roll music and all this kind of kind of stuff. And you're all like thinking like, so was he talking about me? You know, uh, you know, but really, you know, in my mind, the more diverse, the better. And especially if somebody, you know, taking that excuse away that people have is like, you know what, if I walked into a church, you know, I'd, I'd be struck down or, or something like that. You know, it's like, you know what, we, we want those kind of people who, who Jesus ministered to in the first century, the ones that that religion had left behind. So, you know, we, we had lots of meetings about what this would look like and how it would functionally be and, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember talking with Dr. Gortney and saying, you know, Jim, you know, why would you want to be part of something like this? I mean, I love Dr. Gortney, but he's not like, you know, he's not at, you know, your local raves, you know. And I'll never forget what, what he said. It was the most profound thing about legacy that I have ever heard. He said, you know, Mark, at my age, if I wanted to go to church for myself, I'd find a comfortable pew somewhere where the pastor didn't speak too long and the music was not too loud. But I want to build a, few, a church for the future. It was so unselfish. In fact, in the early days that, that I experienced people who were willing to sacrifice so much for people they didn't even know. And for some of the people in California who, who sacrificially gave to this ministry to start, they would never go here. They would never have the pleasure of meeting any of you. That they would never go to Guatemala with one of our teams or Haiti, or they would never serve in Frenchtown alongside us with the 76 families that, that we uh, are advocates for. That they would never hear, you know, a guy in skinny jeans singing happy or hearing with his eyes and seeing with his ears. That's a miracle, <laughs> right? None of that. You see, these are people who understand legacy. They understand that as followers of Christ, that we don't have the luxury of checking out and saying, I'm not going to participate. Because you have been called for a purpose, and that purpose is great. Quite arguably, the Apostle Paul has one of the greatest legacies, faith legacies of, of really anyone in Scripture. His writings and his discipleship and his church plannings uh, were instrumental in what, how we understand what the body of Christ, the church, is meant to look like. And he would go around and he would plant churches and disciple. And we talked about how uh, in the past, we talked about how he discipled and mentored Timothy and Titus and things like that. But one time he was in Asia for three years, planting churches, building into people, creating a spiritual legacy. And it was time for him to go. So he called together the elders, and this is what he said. 
to them when they all came around that he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for the Jews and the Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sins and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lies ahead. And verse 24 is a verse that really every single follower of Christ should have memorized or at least are very familiar with, and that I would like to be over the next three weeks in this series us to marinate in this and to make it true for each and every one of our lives. And that is this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. All of us have been called to participate. All of us have been called to write a word or a sentence or a paragraph or a chapter in the legacy book of faith with our deeds with our attitudes, with our actions, with our giving, with our sacrifice, taking what was left to us and in our time, in our place, moving the ball forward and building on the foundations that have already been set for future generations to plant the trees of fruit we will never experience and never taste So future generations will have plenty to eat. Verse 25, And now I know that none of you whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it is not my fault. I don't know. I think that's funny too. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourself and God's people. Feed the shepherds, excuse me, feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will raise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you day and night, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of His grace that I 
that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with those who have set apart for himself. And then he concludes with this. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and the needs of others who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You see, we're all called to ministry. Not necessarily to be a pastor, but we are called to to bless the world, world through our work, through our hard work, through our attitudes, through our sacrifice, through our tears, that we have the power in our hands and the call that has been given on our lives to build on the legacy that has been given and left for us and prepare a legacy for the future generations. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried and embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. I've been thinking about this idea of legacy and how we as followers of Christ do not have the option of checking out. I have a a neighbor, and this this sounds so bad, and everybody laughed at me at the first gathering, but I I got a flat learning curve, so I'm going to tell this story anyway. He's not my actual in my defense, he's not my actual, like, next-door neighbor. He's the neighbor up the road. And when I drive or I'm riding my bike out, it does not matter what time of day. This guy has his television on. Now, it's not just a regular television. And you're like, how can you notice and everything? I'm not creepy. I'm not looking in his windows. This television is the largest television ever been made, period. Like, I don't know how he got it in his house. It is like, it's like his house glows, okay? I mean, it's bizarre. And it's been kind of like a thing with me. Like, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, crazy early. Surely the TV won't be on. It's always on. And I often wonder, especially lately, has he given much thought to legacy? Because here's something that I believe. When you're consuming, you're not creating. And there is nothing more consumption than television. Now, I have a television, so don't get me wrong. I mean, you can have a television, whatever. It's, it's fine. But... We need to understand when we're consuming that we're not creating. Now, consumption is a very valuable thing. Consumption gives us energy. Consumption of of creativity can spur other creativity. But there is a point where consumption just becomes gluttony. 
and we use it to check out and, and, and forego the responsibility of building a legacy. And which may be fine for someone who does not have a high calling, but that's not you. That's not me. That we have been called to a higher purpose, a higher standard, that we have a rich legacy that we are the recipients of, and it is our responsibility to be the advocates for the hurting, to bring beauty into a barren place, to bring words of life to those who have been deafened by hate. It is our responsibility in our work, state work, federal work, teachers, drivers, preachers, to leverage the time that we have in order to create a legacy for the future. And I think about these things and this responsibility that we have, and I've come up with five questions that I want you to ask yourself this week. I'm very serious about this. It's in your going deeper so you have the questions on the back. I believe it's on the front of your, of your fridge fold. But I want you to spend some time with this because I believe that it is essential that we do these things and we are crystal clear on living a legacy because the legacy that we leave, if that's the first time we're thinking about it, it's too late. The first question is this, how will the world be different because I is here? I start out real easy right? How will the world be different because you are here? It's a tough question. Next question. Why is this a legacy worth my life's work? The legacy that you're leaving, the the tears the pain, the, the bugs in the dirt that you're going to be pulling out, the rocks, the hard places. Why is this worth your life's work? How does this build on the story and on the legacy of faith that you have been given? The next question is, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to make this legacy a reality? Legacies aren't cheap. They require sacrifice. That sacrifice might mean turning off the television. That sacrifice may mean that instead of doing something that you like, that you're investing in kids or teaching or serving in the local soup kitchen, or teaching someone to read, or helping somebody make a resume. What are you willing to sacrifice in order to make your legacy a reality? The next one is what needs to happen in order for my legacy to become a reality? You see, God has given us all brains. 
Scripture says that we are to be as gentle as, gentle as doves, but wise as serpents. To be strategic in what we do and how we do it. And how are we going to take an idea of a calling and legacy and how are we going to make it a reality? And then the last one is this. Who will you entrust with your legacy? You see, here is the reality when you're thinking about your legacy. Is a legacy exists after you're gone. A legacy is your inheritance to your children, to your friends, to your family, to the world. What are you going to leave the world and who are you going to entrust your legacy to? We saw it with Paul just now in that scripture to the elders. We also saw it with Timothy and, and, and Titus. We saw it with Moses and Joshua. That who is going to continue the work. And here's where I just want to get crystal clear. And I'm, I'm just talking to those of you who acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, okay? Some of you, as a lifestyle, have just become a consumer Christian. And there's no such thing as a consumer Christian. Now, I'm not talking about living by the law. I'm talking about living by the Spirit. But understanding, when you said, yes, Jesus, I accept your forgiveness, but I also accept you as the leader of my life, and I will follow you, that we have a responsibility to keep up with Jesus. And yes, there's a time for contemplation, but there's also more likely a time that you are following Jesus and trying to keep up with Jesus and perpetuating what you're meant to be doing. And that is building a legacy that will live beyond you. Those of us who are followers of Christ, we do not have the luxury of saying, I'm going to check out. We do not have the luxury of saying, oh, I was hurt. We just read a scripture that two times that Paul says, I was in tears. I can tell you I have been in tears many times in ministry. You know what? Ministry is hard. Following Jesus is hard. If you were ever told otherwise, you were lied to. I'm sorry. Get over it. I do not want to get to the end and not have built a faith legacy that matters, that moves things forward. And even if a little or a lot, we all have a role to play. And you know what? You may be sitting here and saying, yeah, but what should I do? 
Well, you know what? Get together with your friends and family. Have some conversations and, and ask people, you know what? I want you to speak into my life. And you know what I believe? If you've just been sitting and not doing anything, do something. Because it's much easier to steer a moving car than one that is stationary. And you know what? If you go out and, and you're like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the tangible hand of Christ and, and you go out and, and you invest in, in kids or, or aging adults or you do something just, you know, completely not what God has called you to do. Maybe God has called you to, you know, serve at Red Eye or something like that, but you think it's to serve kids. You think God's going to smite you for that? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, you missed that call. You, 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 you loved kids and were serving them, but I, I wanted you to, 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 you know, connect people over coffee. I, I had such high hopes for you. Oh, well. <laughs> Absolutely not. What will most likely happen is you're working with kids and some gentle pastor will come up and go, you know what, you're horrible with kids. Have you ever thought about serving coffee? <laughs> like, the kids are crying. What's wrong with you? Good night. Right? You have been called to a higher purpose. And some of you haven't served and you've been sitting here way too long, and you know it. And you haven't done anything. And I'm not just talking about here. You've been, you accepted a gift, but you have not followed. And you have not made an attempt to follow. And you know what? I want to be very clear. If you truly are a follower of Christ, that is not on the table. If you are looking at your, your jersey and it is clean and white and sparkly and you look like you should be on a detergent commercial, you are in sin. You are experiencing less than what God has envisioned. That your jersey should be dirty with grimy, gross stuff on it. I'm serious. That it is time to go out and find a place where you can serve. Find a place that you can sacrifice your time and your money. And give. Plant that fruit tree. Plant a tree that you will never, ever be able to taste the fruit. But know that it will feed tens, hundreds, thousands after you are gone. Real quick, in this journey, 
when we moved here, we thought it was going to be temporary. We have an opportunity to purchase this building. Not only this building, but the two in front. Over the past 10 years, we have saved up about a half a million dollars for future facility purchases. The, the buildings are $2.4 million, the whole thing. I know that sounds like a lot of money. It's a lot of money to me. But we, as followers of Christ, that uh, it actually, after talking to the banks and everything, if we purchase this with the renters and everything, that will lower our annual rent expense effectively by about $70,000. That, that's great, and, and that, that's a wonderful thing. Let me, let me tie that back into legacy. There's a reality that when a, when a church finally matures to the point where it can purchase space and it, it controls its, its, its space and be able to facilitate more ministry in the future. In fact, churches that are able to, to purchase space, that the idea is that we are planting a seed of fruit that we will never taste but other generations will be blessed because we did it. And I want to be really forthcoming that ultimately this legacy series is about getting our church moving. But also, in a few weeks, I'm going to ask you guys to really pray about investing in purchasing this facility. That we've looked at it and all that kind of, uh, and, and it's the right thing and it's the right time. I have no doubt about that. But we need a few extra resources. Here's the reality. There's 306 uh, giving families, and family can be an individual, but essentially uh, who gave here last year. 306, which is great. And we need to raise over the next 12 months at least an additional $150,000, more for cash flow than, than anything. Then we get a building but no lights or stuff like that, you know. So you may be thinking $150,000, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money for an individual. Like $150,000 is a lot for me personally. You know, it's probably a lot for you personally. If it's not a lot for you personally, see me after the service. Let's just get this done. <laughs> Write me a check. Right? But honestly, I'll take the check, but I really don't think that that's what we need as a, as a church. You see, basically over the next 12 months, you know, each, each giving unit, 306 or 300 times, uh, uh, I don't know the math, but basically is $600 per per family over, over 12 months. Yeah, that's not too much. And that's like, that's about $50 a month. Now, I want to, the Holy Spirit just spoke to you. Because if you just said 50 bucks a month, that's not that much. Guess what? He just called you to give more. Right? If you're like 50 bucks, I can do that. I don't even have to sacrifice. I, you need to sacrifice. Because, you know, the reality is we have single moms here. They don't have 50 bucks a month. 
So, you know what? If you sat there and said 50 bucks a month, whatever, let's get it done. Keep hiking that number up until it makes you wet yourself a little bit. <laughs> right? A little bit scared. Maybe a lot bit scared. And this is, I really don't want to talk about the money too much, especially in this thing. This is what, here's, the, here's what I want to see. I want to see 100% participation. I don't care if it's a dollar or $150,000. Every single one of us need to participate because that is our part of building a legacy. That is our part of putting the seed in the ground. And I believe when all the dust settles that God will figure out all those numbers and, 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 and it'll all work out. But I believe that we have an opportunity to do something that will set this church up to be able to do ministry in the future long after all, it, all of us are here. And that may not matter to you, but it matters a lot to me. And I want to invite you to go on this journey. Good? Good.